Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. This will be our third show of the week. Uh, if you haven't listened to it already, um, Wednesday we had an episode come out that focused solely on early signing day and the 2021 recruiting class, um, an interview with Alan True of 247 Sports. So in case you missed it, Make sure to go back and listen to that if you're interested in uh, Wisconsin football recruiting. We felt we felt it was a really good episode. Alan gave a lot of insight to some players in this class. And then if you want to revisit that Iowa game, we did put a recap for that out on Monday. So this will be our third show, um, our Minnesota normal weekly preview that we do for the upcoming opponent. Not sure you want to revisit that Iowa game because it was pretty ugly, but in case you do, it was a nice little venting session as well. So hopefully you guys enjoyed both of those, and thank you for being here and, and listening to the podcast today. We get ready for Axe Week. So we'll have our usual football breakdown. We'll talk about a couple other things, talk a little bit of basketball before we get into that. Um, but, yeah, should be a nice full episode. And then we have an interview with uh, Blake Ruane of the Daily Gopher. Um, as usual, he gave the insider breakdown of the Minnesota, what's gone well what they've struggled with in this 2020 season. A lot of similarities to Wisconsin, so it should be a fun one Saturday afternoon. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing great. Yeah, it's been a busy week here, um, not only on the podcast but on the site. So go ahead and check out everything from yesterday's early signing period. I know we're going to have more coming out this week uh, about that. Tyler and I have been feverishly writing stuff. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed everything that – we put together this week, but but man, I'm doing good. I'm I'm ready to talk a, a little axe week. How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm great. National signing day or early signing day, whatever you want to call it, has done has been really fun. You know, it's a it's a big step for programs every year, and uh, I know Wisconsin is really excited about the class that they got. I I wrote up a recap piece for for the class that, that'll come out probably later on Wednesday. It should be out by the time you guys are listening to it and. I, got, I was really excited writing that. I mean, some of these guys that we've had the chance to talk to on the podcast are, are great kids, and I'm really excited to see what their careers can bring. I know it's an exciting day for them and, and their families and everything like that. So, yeah, make sure you guys check out the website uh, for all that recruiting stuff. We know our readers and listeners are very big into that, and we put out a, a lot of content for that, and uh, I know we all really enjoy doing it. So make sure to check that out. But, yeah, I'm great. I'm, I'm glad this Axe Week is back on. I think that's the – the big thing, you know, when this rivalry looked like it was going to be lost for the first time in how many years, it was really disappointing. So I know the season hasn't gone the way Minnesota or Wisconsin has wanted it to, but at least they're playing this game. I think that that's really meaningful for both programs as they try to try to build, you know, their programs up and, and continue to be contenders in the West. People come to Minnesota and Wisconsin because they want to play this game. So it's pretty cool that we're at least getting that chance, win or loss. Um, to cover it. So it should be uh, a fun one on Saturday. I'm excited to, to get into a little bit. But before we do that, Wisconsin basketball picked up a victory over Loyola, Chicago. Um, uh, last night, we're recording this on uh, Wednesday, so it was Tuesday evening, picked up a win. Um, really kind of an interesting game. You know, Loyola, Chicago has had some COVID issues, so we haven't seen a lot of them this season in terms of playing. I know they had, I believe they were 3-0 and coming into last night. Um, 
still got a lot of senior guys on the team, so I thought it would be an interesting battle. But Wisconsin is able to take care of business. So uh, before we do some football, what did you make of uh, that Wisconsin basketball contest? I, I thought overall it was a big win for the Badgers. It was it was a good get right uh, net crap type of game for this team. Um, you saw them kind of have some some of the same issues that we've seen the past two games against not only Marquette and as well as Rhode Island with the fouls, especially in the second half. But but you saw a lot of really good things out of this team, especially the shooting from from deep. Shot ten of eighteen from from three. And, and we're just lights out all night. That's that's about that. We've talked about that perfect number of three-pointers to hit, and they were super efficient with it, which was awesome to see from this team. Um, and, and just the continued emergence uh, of Johnny Davis. Um, you, you look at him, you know, five of ten from the field, five rebounds, 12 points, two assists. He can do everything, and, and he led the team in plus-minus. And that's a con- continuing stat here we're seeing is, that the the two you know the sixth and seventh men off the bench in in uh, Tyler Wall and Jonathan Davis are are lighting up that plus minus and so they give a nice spark to this team. So um, I thought you saw some times where Nate Reavers and um, and Micah Potter struggled with with the size and and interior of of, of Cam Crutwig, but at the same time I, I thought overall this was a, a good win for this team and really. Uh, should set them up nicely for this weekend. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned um, the Nate Reavers thing because that was one thing that stood out to me was uh, him him struggling a little bit with that size, and that's something to kind of note as you move forward in the season. You've got some good bigs in the Big Ten um, with the likes of Luca Garza and, and Kofi Coburn and guys like that. So it'll be interesting to see how his game kind of changes because there were a couple times where where he now granted he knocked down some threes, which is good to see, but. It seemed like sometimes he was kind of more comfortable hanging out uh, beyond the three-point line, and, and that's part of his game. But as a Wisconsin big man, you have to be able to do both. And, and sometimes I would like to see him get in the post a little bit, get his elbows dirty and, and, and play down there and bang around with the big boys. So that was one thing that I that definitely noticed and, and stuck out to me. You know, Micah Potter defensively can kind of um, be leave a little bit to be desired on that end of the floor for how big he is. Sometimes his defense is, is a reason why late in games he's not on the court sometimes it's because Greg Gard wants his best five defensively out there. So uh, I'm glad you brought that up. And then, yeah, the, the, the plus minus of, of Jonathan Davis and Tyler Wall, again, are, are really the big storylines I think to take from that is both of those guys are playing well. Wall, we've definitely seen a jump in his game, but, but Jonathan Davis has came in and and really not been hesitant or or played really like a young you know like a freshman. I, I think he's played above his age and uh, he's going to be a valuable piece for this team as he continues to get minutes. I mean, 23 minutes last night um, is big. You know, Micah Potter only played 20, so you're seeing uh, Davis in there quite a bit, um, which is which is good because he's going to be a valuable sixth, seventh piece of this team. You know, really um, they went eight deep with Trevor Anderson getting 15, but aside from that, it looks like kind of those guys are the rotation as you start to get into hopefully this Louisville game this weekend and then on Saturday and then into the conference play. I know there's some um, talk of maybe that first Big Ten opener maybe being moved around a little bit, but uh, I think for the most part uh, it'll be a good test to see what those guys have on Saturday with those eight. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the emergence of Jonathan Davis will only continue to happen because I do think he's probably your most talented player on this roster just from what he can bring to the table as a guy who can get to the basket, create his own shot, whether it's uh, in the mid-range or inside. He, he can do a little bit from three, but that's not his strong suit. 
Um, but really, I, I, I anticipate that his minutes will continue to climb as the year goes on. Um, another thing that jumped out was the Badgers did a really good job of, of holding onto the ball and not turning it over. Um, oftentimes, you can, you see the Wisconsin get a little sloppy with the ball. Only four turnovers in this one, and they took advantage of some of the Rambler turnovers um, on the other end. So those were positives uh, to take from this game. And really, now let's just wait and see what this team looks like when they take on uh, their first ranked opponent of the year in Louisville. Yeah, it'll be a fun test. I know we talked about it um, a little bit uh, on the Monday episode that Saturday is going to be a really busy day. You know, you've got Wisconsin basketball into Wisconsin football into Packers football. So, again, as Matt said last time, pace yourself. Um, it should be a fun Saturday of, of a little bit of everything for Wisconsin sports fans. And I know it's been a, a good week with the Badgers win um, on, on the hardwood. And I know if you're a Bucks fan, Giannis signing his uh, super max. So things are looking up. Hopefully that continues as we get into the weekend of, of a lot more uh, Wisconsin sports that way. So transitioning over here to football. Before we get into the actual game itself, um, there was some interesting stuff in the uh, coaches' press conference over the last few days. Um, some talk of maybe some guys returning that um, maybe you didn't maybe have your eye on to come back. So anything that uh, you found notable from uh, from those pressers before we get into the game? Yeah, a couple of things. You know, we've we've you know postulated that there was a chance that uh, the Badgers were going to cherry pick some of these seniors to come back, and and we're kind of seeing that happen. Um, Mason Stocky and Isaiah Loudermilk recently had. Um, accepted invitations for some postseason stuff, so I'm guessing they're done. But then you saw Colin Wilder come out and say, I'm going to be back next year or I want to be back next year. Um, Joe Rudolph, the offensive coordinator, went ahead and, and talked a little bit about how he would expect to possibly see Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis back next year, which would definitely help this team. Um, and, and it makes a lot of sense because we haven't seen much of them this year. Um, and then I, in terms of recruiting, uh, just some – some odds and ends, but I, I really think that the the recruiting staff deserves a, a, a round of applause because they did a really good job, and some even their graphics from signing day were really good. Yeah, those uh, those intro videos of each player were really entertaining. I, I liked that a lot. I think the staff, they're kind of behind the scenes a little bit. They don't necessarily get the credit they deserve, but signing day, when you see these guys coming in there, it takes a lot of work to get these guys committed. I mean, it's a huge decision um, for players to make. So there's a lot of guys that out there that maybe you don't see on the sidelines all the time or, or talking about in a game-to-game basis but are doing big things for the Wisconsin football program um, that way. So so I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And then the interesting stuff with the press conference with some of those guys you mentioned, I think all of them, if they decide to come back, would be would be huge additions. I mean, Colin Wilder, um, in his limited time this year, has played pretty well and, and elevated his game a little bit. I think he could you know improve on that even more. Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis, we've seen the impact that, that we, not having them has, has brought. So to have them back and, and Shimmery DK coming back, you know, of course, for his next season, who's, who's had a good impact. You've got a guy like Devin Chandler who started to play a little bit more. I think that would be a really welcome sight um, for both of those guys to not only help the team and, and Wisconsin football, but to help themselves in their you know career and, and their future that way. So I, I hope to see them back. I know some guys – they, some guys just are ready to, to move on to the next chapter. Some guys want to improve their stock and, and go out the right way. So I think it would be a, a welcome sight to have both of those back for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, let's get into the uh, football game a little bit here. Of course, Axe Week, Wisconsin, Minnesota, both teams kind of had, I would say, similar paths to, to where they're at right now, up and down, roller coaster type seasons. 
Of course, for Wisconsin, the offense has, has been the big struggle the last three games. We all know that, you know, struggling to score points, struggling to, to find the end zone, struggling, you know, they're still kind of moving the football, just not converting into points. So finally they're going against, I think, a defense that is, is significantly weaker. So that's one positive you can look at. I mean, Northwestern and Indiana and Iowa were all top 35, 40 defenses in, in the country, um, if not further up with over the last couple weeks. So you're, you're going up against a Minnesota defense that is much weaker than those three. So hopefully that will make some improvements. But what do you see as kind of the offensive uh, game plan and mantra for this week? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because you look at it, and, and Iowa and Northwestern are both top ten defenses, at least according to most analytics. Um, and Indiana is just super good at creating turnovers. So this is a this is a great opportunity to see what this team can do to shift some things because uh, you're you're going up against a team who who's averaging giving up over 30 points a game, which is totally something different than what the Badgers have been seeing here. Um, Minnesota is, is kind of that get-right game here, potentially, with this defense. Um, and so I'm, I'm hopeful to see Wisconsin be able to run the ball a little bit. Uh, I would hope that Nakia Watson, Garrett Groshek can get to some something going on the ground. Um, maybe this is a game where you see Julius Davis. you got nothing to lose. Um, but um, I, I think the big thing for me offensively is this team needs to figure out a way to get other put get the ball moving in other places instead of just relying on the right arm of, of Graham Mertz because that's never been Wisconsin's bread and butter. When you aren't sure who's going to be out there in terms of your wide receivers, you you got to surround this kid with a chance instead of saying, hey, go and throw it 40 times in a game. So I, I think the Badgers, if they could get something going on the ground with Nikia Watson, Garrett Groshek, um, or whatever you know, stable running backs they turn to in this game, I think that is, is a key, is to establish the run. And I'm not saying it's got to be where you're going to run the ball 50 times and you're going to amass over 200 yards rushing. I don't necessarily think that's the case because I don't think that the Badgers have the horses for that right now. But it doesn't change the fact that Minnesota has struggled against the run all year long. They're 89th, uh, 107th out of the entire FBS at, at rushing defense. So you, if you can't run the ball against this team, you're, you're in for trouble. And so I, I think that's the big thing for me is establish the run and, and don't go away from it early. Like if you find that, hey, it's, it's not going perfect in the beginning, continue to give those carries, feed it, because you want to lean on this Minnesota defense because it's not the same defense that Minnesota had a year ago. Yeah, I think you, you're exactly right. I mean, this, this defense has, is a young front seven um, they've played some some games better, but they haven't. You know, on paper, you're used to Wisconsin offense. You say, okay, they've played well, but they haven't faced a rushing attack like Wisconsin. Well, that rushing attack uh, for Wisconsin isn't quite what it's been the last few years, and unfortunately, you're not going to have Jalen Berger in this game. So you're going to have to lean on guys that that haven't really done so well. But you're still going up against a unit that I think is is relatively weak in the front seven. So you have to really attack them and and run the football at them with whoever it's going to be. If it's going to be the Kia Watson and Garrett Groshek, and they're going to get a lot of carries, like you mentioned, you know, the, the games that Minnesota's lost, they've given up 200 yards a game on the ground. Um, but it doesn't have to be that. You just have to have a game plan and a run game that you're sticking to, you're running it at them, because eventually you're going to wear this defensive line down a little bit. They're young. Um, they're a little bit more inexperienced. And, and we've seen games where they've struggled to, to stop the run. So, 
I don't know who it's going to be, but I think you've got to stick with it and, and continue to get some carries and give some of these guys a chance on the ground because if you don't and you go away from it, we've seen what happens if you put too much on Graham Mertz. Uh, plate. It's it's not a knock on him. It's just not the way the offense works. If you don't have a run game, you know, like you didn't have last week, it, it gets pretty ugly. And I think uh, you you don't want to have that happen against a defense that you, there's a clear weakness. You just have to you know try and ex- exploit it a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And really, this is this is a game. This is an important one. I would anticipate that the Badgers are going to come out firing uh, and excited for this game. You you heard. Um, all week, Graham Mertz talking about throwing these fists. Um, let's 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 see what this team can do and if they can rebound because just getting some positive momentum for this team is is really what matters on the offensive end this game and and hopefully that can come against Minnesota. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see you know how that uh, all works out. I'm I'm really hoping that the offense can come out and click and and get right and and hopefully everyone can have a big you know sigh of relief to see some. A, yards and and touchdowns would be nice. I know touchdowns, plural, seems like a far thing right now, but to to slam a few in and run the ball well and kind of get back to normal Wisconsin football, I think, uh, would be very ideal for for fans and players alike in this rivalry game. Switching gears a little bit to the defense now, of course, Wisconsin's defense, I know they gave up 28 points last week, but not really telling of the actual result. They've played really well. Um, I think the one knock is, of course, that they haven't gotten a lot of pressure. That might, I think, will be important when you're going against Tanner Morgan. Uh, he's a guy that hasn't completed a ton of passes this year. His, his completion percentage is way down. Of course, that part of that is not having Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman, a wide receiver. But Minnesota actually, strength-wise, has leaned a lot on their uh, run game and Mo Ibrahim. So how do you think uh, the defense is going to look to to slow down the Gophers and, and stop this attack that at times, can be fairly balanced. Yeah, I mean, Minnesota has been pretty balanced, like you said, all year. They're they're averaging uh, a little over 200 yards passing and a little over 200 yards rushing. So it's not like there there's anything that you need to uh, that you haven't seen before from this team. It's the same gen- overall scheme that they tried last year. Um, it's a lot of RPO, but they're going to run the ball. And Wisconsin, right now, coming into this game, is third in the nation in run defense. With only allowing 83 yards a game. Iowa was able to run the ball a little bit. A big part of that was that 80-yard scamper by um, by Goodson. But I, I think the Badgers need to do a good job and just key on Ibrahim. You can't allow him to get going. He earned first-team honors this this week for the across the Big Ten because he can run. He's a, he's a really good tailback. He's had a phenomenal year rushing for almost 1,000 yards in only six games. So, the Badgers are going to have their hands full with him, but I think if you can stop that and make Minnesota throw the ball, that's where you're going to have your opportunities because not having Rashad Bateman is is a huge liability for this team. They're relying on a freshman in, in Daniel Jackson who who's still a freshman, and um, then Chris Ottman-Bell, who I think is actually a very good wide receiver, and he's had him in a pretty decent year. So I think you want to t- make Minnesota have to throw the ball um, because, like you mentioned, you haven't seen the explosiveness and the accuracy from Tanner Morgan this year that you saw a year ago, and I think a big reason for that is is, is those uh, wide receivers not being there for him. Yeah, the the loss of Johnson and of course Rashad Bateman mid season here is is a big loss, and and also you know they had um, some personnel changes. Offensive coordinator went to Penn State, Mike Sanford, the new offensive coordinator, a little bit different in terms of their game plan. So it's it's a lot to put on uh, in terms of changes with uh, with Tanner Morgan. I think you're seeing that a little bit here. So 
it's going to be interesting to see how this defense works. I think uh, you, you've got to shut down Mo Ibrahim first and foremost. I know Wisconsin's done a really good job of shutting down the run, but this will probably be um, you know the best test that they've faced so far. You know, it's he's an all-conference back um, that way and, and really running well. Someone that I wouldn't have really expected to be as good as he is um, this season. Coming into this year, he was a good back. I think he's really elevated his game quite a bit, and he fits really well in that Minnesota system. So it's going to be a good test. Uh, for Wisconsin, but if you're if you if you can shut that run game down a little bit and and slow them down, make Tanner Morgan have to make some throws. Hopefully, you can get some pressure um, and and get in his face a little bit. I know Wisconsin's done well in getting hurries; they're just that step behind in terms of getting the sack and and really closing some things down. Last year, they did a good job of of getting to Tanner Morgan and and moving him off the spot and and getting to him. Um, so that would be definitely something that it would be welcome to see and then maybe for some turnovers of their own. I know Wisconsin struggled to hang out of the football, um, haven't really done a great job in terms of turnover margin where if they're turning it over, they're getting it back. So to the kind of the same things we've, we've talked and harped on the last few weeks, but they're important. And if they can do that, I think they'll have a really good shot at winning this game. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, are there any other keys to this game that you're going to be specifically watching? I think those are, are kind of the big ones. I know the other one that is always that comes down to this game is, is turnovers and it seems like special teams. You know, we saw it last week. Iowa made some special teams mistakes and it allowed Wisconsin to hang in the game. This is a rivalry game. Momentum can, can really be something that flips back and forth. I know P.J. Fleck isn't a big momentum believer, but I think it's very prevalent in, in college football. So trying to just cut down on mistakes, I think, is going to be the big thing for Wisconsin, you know offensively, I think they're going to have more success. You're going to, I think, be able to run the ball a little bit better. Graham Mertz will hopefully, with that, will be able to find some balance and, and not put it all on his shoulders and be able to make some throws out of play action, um, which is a big part. You know, this run game, if it doesn't work, it also makes the play action not work because no one's worried about it. So hopefully that run game will open that up, and then it's just you know a matter of cutting down the mistakes and, and hanging on to the football. So I think in a rivalry game, those are the big things you've got to look for. But uh, what about yourself? Anything that you're really keying on? I think, you know, you talked about it earlier, just the, the red zone efficiency. Wisconsin's moved the ball. Like, we're not, not saying that the Badgers have been moving the ball nearly as well as we're accustomed to the past few seasons. But they've been generating plays. They've been moving the chains at times. But then when they have opportunities in the red zone, they've squandered them. And, and so I think just seeing this team be able to put some touchdowns on the board would be just uh, an hallelujah moment. So I'm thinking that's what I'm going to be looking for is to see, can the Badgers be successful in the red zone, an area they have struggled at mightily the last three games? Yeah, that'll be important for sure as you're trying to score some touchdowns and get that points per game mark up considerably from where they have been uh, the last three weeks. All right, it's time for our prediction segment here on the show. Well, let's start with the players we think we'll be talking about. Hopefully we're talking about a Wisconsin win, but uh, who do you think will be the guys that really stand out on Saturday? I think there's a couple guys, um, but on offense, I, I think we've seen everything that's transpired this these past couple weeks with Graham Mertz. I think he's going to be the storyline no matter what. Um, whether it's good or bad, it, it's going to be Graham Mertz that people are going to want to uh, zoom in on. So for that, I'm going to take a cop out and I'm going to take Graham Mertz because this is a big game for him to, to kind of possibly silence some, some doubters, to, to help this team hopefully retain the axe. So I'm going to go with Graham Mertz. Uh, he, he, he said his piece at the beginning of the week. Now it's time to see if he can back that up. 
Yeah, no, I love that pick, and, and it's kind of the same thing that I was thinking because he's been a guy that has, has really gotten some unfair criticism, in my opinion, and, and I'm sure he's heard that a little bit. Um, he, he's still a 19-year-old kid. He's on the Internet. He can search his name and probably see what some of these negative things have been said about him, but he seems like a confident kid that can bounce back and, and really kind of come out and, and, and silence some people, and, and one way to do that is to, to beat your rival and retain, you know, that really important trophy in a lot of fans' eyes. So I, I don't want to, you know, be cliche and pick the same guy as you are, but I think right now he's got to be the guy that comes out and, and really has a good game and hopefully shuts some people up, to be frank, because I think it would be a really welcome sight on the offensive side of the ball. Um, defensively, I, I think it's going to be probably a mixture of, uh, of guys. Maybe uh, a guy like Nick Herbig getting there and hopefully getting some sacks. I really want it to be Leo Chanel. He's been a guy that has been there and, and a step off on so many plays in terms of getting the sacks. I would really love for Chanel to, to finally get to just light somebody up, force a fumble, you know, a sack, a, a strip, some, strip fumble, something like that. Him to have a big play I think would be welcome. So I'm going to say him just kind of a, a bouncing ball type guy that's going to go in and just with his hair on fire and I think cause some chaos hopefully. Yeah, I'll go with, I'll go with Jack Sanborn. Um, I, I think you look at it. He kind of got snubbed this week with uh, as a, as a third team All Conference member in in my book um, at inside linebacker. He hasn't had the interceptions, the sacks, the numbers that he had a year ago. Um, but that's because we've had a seen a really um, stout defense go ahead and kind of distribute the wealth really nicely. I think Sam Bourne has a splash play here. Whether it's him dropping back in coverage. You, you know that Minnesota loves to do zone read where they'll pull it and Morgan will try to throw it to the past the linebackers. Um, Sanborn did a really good job last season of dropping in coverage and, and picking some some sacks. I would anticipate – or picking some sacks. Picking some balls off. Uh, maybe he can do that again this game. And I think if there's a team to do it, it's Minnesota based off their scheme. Yeah, I think that's all a great point. You know, I think the inside linebackers will be important in this game, you know, with Shaw and Sanborn. Going against a really tough run attack that way, so hopefully those guys can have big games. And uh, we're right because if if those two and Graham Mertz have big games, I think we'll be talking about a Badger W next uh, Monday. All right, that's time. That brings us to the score prediction. What are you thinking is going to be the outcome in the battle for Paul Bunyan's axe? The past three weeks I've picked the Badgers. I'm not going to change it this time. I, I think this is a net crack game that they can hopefully get something going on offense. I don't anticipate them, you know, doing some Illinois type stuff where the where Graham Mertz looks amazing, but but I'm going to go with the Badgers winning 24 to 13 in a, in a fairly low scoring game. Yeah, I like that, and I'm going to stick with you as well. I'm, I'm no, I mean, let's be frank. I don't think either of us are ever going to want to pick Minnesota, or or frankly, could find a way to talk ourselves into doing that. But I think this is the, kind of the same thing where Wisconsin comes out. I know they've looked bad these last few weeks, but again. I think the defenses that they've been going against do deserve some credit. They're good units, so I don't see this Minnesota unit as very good. If they come out and struggle to move the ball against them, then we're maybe going to be talking about some real, real issues on the offensive side of the ball. But um, I I think they're going to come out and win this one as well. I'm going to go 27-20. I think the the 47.5 was the over-under. I think it would be right around that. Um, But I'm going to say the Badgers win this one in a a one-score game, 27-20. I like it. We're not too far off. Nope, definitely not. All right, we'll do our Big Ten prediction because it is Big Ten Championship weekend here. Unfortunately for the the conference, a couple of these games already been scrapped, but we'll run these down. Of course, Purdue 
Indiana, which is a great rivalry game, thankfully got rescheduled, but due to COVID with both teams, um, has been scrapped once again. Michigan's still dealing with some COVID issues, um, so they have canceled their game as well. Iowa was not wanting to look for another opponent um, for the weekend, so a little bit condensed version of uh, championship weekend, but Friday night, Nebraska, Rutgers um, battling in a interesting game. I actually think it could be an entertaining game in a lot of ways, but who do you like at 6:30 Big Ten Network between Nebraska and Rutgers? I'll go with Nebraska. I've I've picked Rutgers multiple times this year. They've they've been hit or miss for me, so I'm going to go with Nebraska. I'm not super confident in that game. Uh, either way, I could see um, Rutgers taking that victory home to Piscataway, but I'll go with Nebraska for now. But imagine the uh, theory in Nebraska's eyes if they lose to Rutgers. Yeah, that would be a welcome sight, and I think that's probably why I'm going to, or an unfortunate sight for Nebraska fans, welcome sight for us. That's why I think I'm going to take Rutgers, because I've liked what I've seen from this Rutgers team on and off um, throughout the season. They're a lot better than I expected. I don't think anyone was thinking that, you know, Rutgers would have three, you know, be three and five and then have that many wins, you know, more wins than the Badgers do uh, when you look at it that way, so... Uh, I oh, think God. they're <laughs> right. It's, exactly. It's it's not something you want to say, but these are facts. Um, so I like Nebraska. I'm going to take or I like Rutgers. I'm going to take them over Nebraska in this game. But I think it'll be a really entertaining one. You know, Nebraska's been a or geez, I'm mixing them up all over the place. Rutgers has been a team that has played in a lot of close games, so they're entertaining. Nebraska's over the last few weeks has uh, also you know played some good games and tight games. So. Uh, I'll take uh, Rutgers in a close, entertaining battle Friday evening. Moving on down the line here, we'll do the Big Ten Championship last. Um, Saturday at 4.30, Penn State, Illinois. Who do you like in that matchup? Either team, but at this point I would probably go with Penn State. Um, Illinois just made a coaching change. Sorry, lovey. Um, But I think because of that I'm going to go with the team who has something to play for at this point, which is Penn State. Um, I know it's not much, but I think Penn State will come out with a victory. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. They're they're a much better team, you know, roster, you know, one through whatever. They've got the better players, um, you know, on a nice little winning streak here. Hopefully can end the season, you know, on a nice little four-game run for them going into maybe a bowl. I know they're 0-5 at one point, and, and who knows who will get selected for bowls that way. But uh, it'd be a nice little run for them to to end things off after a tough season. So I'm going to go with Penn State as well. I think Illinois is probably a little bit uh, down and out with with the changes and, and just kind of being ready to be done with this season. All right, the next one, uh, a rescheduled game in the East, Michigan State taking on Maryland. Who do you like in that one? So, I mean, if Talia Tangovaloa plays, I think I would go with Maryland. However, um, his injury status is still kind of up in the air. So I'm going to go with Michigan State just because – I know what they have, Cubs trotting out for that game. So I'm going to go with Michigan State in what I think will be a, a really, uh, you know, odd, bonker game. Yeah, I could see that one getting weird and, and wonky for sure. I would agree with you. If uh, if, if Tagovailoa was playing, I'd really like them. But who knows if he's going to be in there or not. Um, I really don't have a read on it either way. And Michigan State is a team that some weeks shows up. And some weeks if he doesn't. So if if he does play, I'd say Maryland. If he doesn't, I'd have to also agree with you and take uh, Michigan State that way. All right, 11 o'clock, Fox, Big Ten Championship, Northwestern, taking on Ohio State, East versus West. Who do you like in that matchup? Ohio State by whatever. 
I, I just I think I just I know right now I think that Northwestern has a, a good team. I think that they have um, are a really good story, but I just think that this game means way more to Ohio State. They have way more on the line. They're gonna come out ready to fire, and and I anticipate them trying to run up the score if they can. Northwestern's got a tough defense, but I don't know if they've got the speed to stick with Ohio State on that racetrack um, stadium that that they're going to be in. So I'm going to go with Ohio State. I know it's like a 21 point uh, right now is the spread. I would anticipate that the Buckeyes could win by more because they're going to try to make a statement. A lot of people have been doubting them this season because they haven't really played anybody. Um, they finally are going to get to play somebody, and I think that they're going to smack Northwestern in the mouth. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I definitely think that they're going to be a team that that comes out on fire because, frankly, they have to. You can't afford to to play a sloppy game at all. And, and maybe, in, you know, if you think about it too much, maybe Ohio State almost tries to do too much and struggles for a little bit. But if they settle in and, and come out and click, uh, they, they just – have so much overmatching you know, qualities of Northwestern. I know the Northwestern's defense is good, but they haven't faced a Justin Fields or an attack like that. It's similar to what we've seen with, with Wisconsin in some of these games. They've got a good defense, but it's still something you have to try and hang with Ohio State. And, and I don't think Northwestern has anywhere close to an offense that can hang around with them. So I would say um, Ohio State as well. Um, I actually, as you were talking, I went in and, and locked in my uh, bet to lay in the points with Ohio State. I think they'll win by 21 at least, maybe even more, especially in the second half because they can't take their foot off the gas. So I like the Buckeyes in that one big as well. Yeah, I just I just don't think Northwestern is going to have anything on offense to match what Ohio State's going to eventually be able to do on offense. I think you're right that there's a chance that they come out slow, that this is a close game at the beginning, low scoring, but then eventually we've seen what Ohio State does and they can lay it on thick real quick. So I think Ohio State is is the is the king of this conference for right now, and until somebody dethrones them, I don't think anybody should be picking against them. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think it'll be an entertaining one for the Big Ten, entertaining weekend for the Big Ten overall. It'll be good uh, cap to the regular season as we get ready to you know Ohio State maybe into the playoff and uh, you know Wisconsin hopefully into a a bowl that they can uh, get ready for and, and hopefully they can end this season on a high note before they get to it. So, All right, guys, that wraps up our portion of the show. Stick with us through a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into our interview with Blake Ruane of the Daily Gopher. He comes on to, to give his insight on the Minnesota uh, football team and how they've done so far this season. So enjoy that. Enjoy the signing day episode. We'll be back with you next week um, for our normal recap, and uh, stick with us, and we'll be back with you shortly. All right, Badger fans, we now welcome on a very special guest to talk Axe Week. Blake Ruane of the Daily Gopher joins us to give a little insider on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. We're going to talk some P.J. Flock. We're going to talk some Gopher offense and defense. All the fun stuff. We uh, thankfully get to talk about Axe Week. A couple of weeks ago, Blake and I were scheduled uh, to have this conversation, and unfortunately, due to COVID, it, uh, it, it looked pretty bleak, but thankfully the Big Ten came through, and... Uh, allow this game to happen, and I think that's really important, as I'm sure Minnesota fans do as well, um, just given the history and the tradition of this game and this rivalry. So, Blake, thank you so much for joining us. I know uh, Minnesota basketball is on with Illinois right now, so I don't want to take too much of your time, but uh, we really appreciate you having uh, you come on. 
Hey, no problem. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy that you can set aside your hatred for uh, a couple minutes tonight to to chat through the X Week game with me. Most definitely. All right, hopping into before we get into the game itself, um, well, let's just talk about the season a little bit. You know, I think for Badger fans of Wisconsin or Wisconsin and Minnesota fans, kind of on the same wavelength. You know, expectations coming into the year pretty high, and for the most part, I know Minnesota's played a lot better than Wisconsin has the last couple couple times out. But for the most part, I would have to say the the expectations did not meet the results, and there's probably some disappointed fans right now. So, as it sits, at, you know, at this point, coming into this final week of the regular season, how do you think the majority of Minnesota fans feel just about the direction of the program in general? Um, I, I'd say it's definitely accurate to characterize this as a roller coaster season. I mean, you know, they started the year ranked in the top 25, and then had uh, pretty bad loss to Michigan to start the year, and at the time we didn't know what to expect with Michigan, and now you look at them and I think they finished, what, 2-4, and 2-5 and five to end the year, so, um, and that's true of a lot of teams, like there's, what, seven two-win teams in the Big Ten this year, so I think Minnesota fans, one, are thankful that we've uh, at least gotten to three wins, uh, I think there's a certain point in the season where we weren't sure if they are going to beat anybody besides Illinois, so these last two wins over Purdue and Nebraska have been a pleasant surprise, and, um, I say there's just we're not probably putting a ton of stock into the season. I think it's I mean unless you're Ohio State, Northwestern, Iowa, or uh, Indiana, this season's just been a wash um, from the Big Ten standpoint. I mean, uh, what three teams have played their games all year and played all eight games this year? So it's just been tough not having spring practice and having summer workouts. So I think people came into the season wondering how much of an impact that was going to have. Maybe not giving that as much weight as they should have, and people were just very disappointed right off the bat, but. Uh, the good thing is we've seen improvement as the season's gone along, especially with you know that two-week layoff, much like Wisconsin had. Uh, Minnesota actually came out and played really well against Nebraska, even missing 33 players, which is somewhat of a deceptive number because it included injuries and other things like that and not a ton of starters. But uh, just to come out of that, play really well, and get the win, I think was good. Um, I'll be interested to see how they, how they play against Wisconsin, and I think – if they manage to pull off victory, I think that'll they'll be able to end the season with on a positive note, and I think fans will come away feeling really well. But I just generally think for the most part, fans right now are just not putting a ton of stock into this season um, just because the chaotic nature of it. But I think they're all hoping to end on a positive note at least. Yeah, it sounds like uh, the same kind of message for Wisconsin fans. I know this season has definitely been disappointing in the long haul, but I know the, the Badgers have played a lot of young guys, and, and hopefully Badger fans aren't too disappointed uh, by the result. I know it's been hard to watch sometimes. Um, but getting into uh, a little bit further of the program, of course, the leader is is P.J. Fleck, everyone's favorite. And I don't actually say that with a grain of salt because I, I actually do – Badger fans hate me when I say this, but I actually do kind of like P.J. Fleck. Um, I actually had a chance to meet him down at Big Ten Media Days a couple months ago, or a couple years ago, um, and he, we talked a little bit. He was a really nice guy, so I do have a little bit of a soft spot for him, despite uh, my fandom. So, what do you think, like you know, culture-wise or just program-wise, what has kind of been the biggest change that has kind of helped turn Minnesota from what they were before PJ Fleck to where they're at right now? Yeah, that's a great question. Because I mean, you know, when he came, to, when he was hired and came to campus, his big thing was he wanted to create cultural sustainability, install his culture. You know, culture is the, is the big word for him, and a lot of people are unsure of what exactly that means. But 
Um, a lot of it, you know, goes back to the road the boat mantra, which is about serving and giving. And honestly, they you see so many stories about players, you know, getting involved in kids' classrooms, like volunteering in the community, things like that. And that's that's just really cool. It's the kind of stuff that you know they don't always advertise, but it's stuff when you do see it, it's like wow. So that they're actually getting out, getting involved in the community, and um, so the, that I think is a big part of it too. Um, recruiting is obviously a big deal. You know, that's big deal across culture and across the Big Ten, and. He's bringing in a, a higher caliber of athlete uh, than probably previous staffs. You know, the, Jerry Kill was more the guy who's going to try and fight with the Max schools to get the diamonds in the rough, and whereas PJ Fleck and his staff have kind of aimed a little bit higher. But um, with him, I think just the biggest change, again, is just the, the culture of, of the program and making sure that, you know, it's more of a family than anything. And uh, I, I think on offense, too, this is probably the most dynamic offense that they've had in – quite a while, you know, under Jerry Kill was more just run, 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 maybe throw the ball uh, every couple of drives, and, you know, previously, I mean, don't want to get, don't want to get too much into the Tim Brewster era or anything like that, but, uh, but, yeah, I just think it's it's nice to see the offense evolve into the 21st century, and I think that's helped, too, both in recruiting and on the field, and um, so, yeah, it's it's tough to describe in, like, tangibles how the program has changed, but it just seems like it's he's brought kind of a 21st century mentality to the program, and I think that's going to help it move forward. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, get into the game now a little bit. Minnesota came in, you know, with a top connection with, with Rashad Bateman, of course, who has since opted out, Tanner Morgan at quarterback. But the strength of the offense seems to be behind Mo Ibrahim in, in the run game. So what do you think makes him so special and such a talented runner that is, you know, a Big Ten or all Big Ten conference uh, player? Yeah, I mean, Big Ten running back of the year uh, as of today. And he – Honestly, he's just the perfect running back for that offense. He doesn't have blazing speed, but he's such a patient runner, and he can read blocks, read his blockers really well, and find those creases in in the in the running game. It's just like sometimes I have no idea what he's seeing. He just finds these smallest running hole, running lanes, and just bursts through. And he's a guy too that he is a physical running back. He initiates contact. You know, he wants to be the hammer as opposed to the nail. It just bounces off guys and extends runs and. He's just a tough runner. He's a guy that, um, in that zone blocking scheme, he just thrives because of his vision. Um, yeah, he's honestly just the perfect running back for that offense. And I, I'm t- it's so disappointing that they're limited this season because he's got, I think, 915 rushing yards through six games. And it would just be unreal to see what he could do this season across 12 games with, you know, even especially a healthy offensive line. Um, they dealt with a couple of COVID casualties on the offensive line the past couple of games. But, yeah, he's just – He's just that perfect prototypic running back for the Minnesota offense, and I mean, I don't know what his NFL future looks like or anything like that, um, but for what Minnesota does on offense, he's the perfect fit for it. Yeah, he's been pretty special to watch. You know, the numbers that him and, and guys like Jarrett Patterson and Buffalo are putting up on, on such small seasons, it would be really fun to see, uh, even as a Wisconsin fan, what kind of numbers those guys could put up over a 12-game season. Um, we talked a little bit about Tanner Morgan here. Um, we, we talked a little bit about up and down season. It seems like he's been a guy that kind of the same path of, of roller coaster seasons uh, for the football team in general. He's kind of seems like a guy that's been on that same path. So, of course, the big change has been no, you know, Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman. But has there been any other changes to his game that's made him maybe struggle a little bit, or has it just been? Maybe the lack of those two receivers and and not being able to to you know have dynamic playmakers like that you know to throw to throw the ball to you know every game and, and every down. 
I think losing Tyler Johnson to start the year definitely hurt. Um, I mean, when you have those guys, one and out of the field, that's definitely going to elevate your offense and elevate your quarterback play no matter who's under center. Um, but this year, too, they also have had uh, two new offensive coordinators. Uh, last year's coordinator, Kirk Shiraka, went to Penn State, and so this year they promoted wide receivers coach Matt Simon to co-coordinator, then hired uh, Mike Stanford out of Utah State. And it's just a little bit of a different offense in terms of the passing game. A lot Last year they – really relied heavily on the RPOs with a lot of success. And this year went more to, to a typical play-action pass. And uh, just the, the pre- and post-dance reads were a little bit more complicated this year. And last year, I think Shiraka kept it really simple for Tanner. And the thing is, Tanner's gotten better. Um, it's, just, it's really tough to install a new offense when you don't have spring practice, don't have summer workouts. Um, and, I mean, as much as PJ said it was kind of an evolution of the previous offense, it's been very much a different different offense and more run-focused and more play-action pass. So um, Tanner's looked really good the past few games against uh, Purdue and Nebraska, so that that's good. But um, and especially against Nebraska, when he, it was his first game this season without Rashad Bateman, and they had a, couple, a lot of young wide receivers that took on some bigger roles. But, yeah, it's just been, a, I think, a tough acclimation for Tanner to the start of the season getting acclimated in that offense. But um, he's starting to show signs of improvement. Obviously, the numbers aren't anywhere close to what he did last year with Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman, but I still feel confident with him under center. Yeah, I mean, he's been a, he's been a guy that's had a lot of changes. You know, you mentioned the offensive coordinator stuff over the course of his career, so that's definitely something that uh, is, a, is a very big contributing factor, I'm sure, to that. Switching gears a little bit to defense now, there's there's been some struggles for Minnesota. It seems like, at least from the stats that we were kind of I was looking at earlier, the run defense has been kind of the big problem there. The pass defense actually ranks pretty well uh, across the nation. What has been the issue up front, and is there anything else that really stands out defensively? Uh, well, the pass, the pass defense stat might be a little deceiving. I think because teams have had this much success running the ball, just haven't they haven't had to pass the ball very much. I mean, they do have pretty good corners in Coney Pierre and Benjamin St. Juice, but yeah, up front it, it's been tough. It's gotten better, but at the beginning of the year they had a lot of freshman linebackers. They have one upperclassman linebacker, that's Mariana Story Marin, and even he's had some struggles. And um, a lot of times early on it was just basic stuff, you know, run fits, you know, diagnosing plays, take, taking the right angles, um, plugging gaps. Guys just weren't in the right spots, and they weren't shedding blocks. And every run was just bringing for five, ten yards at a minimum. And they, they've cleaned it up. They probably had their best game this season on defense against Nebraska. Um, they tackled well. They were in their gaps. Mariana Sword Marion had his best game of the season. He had 18 tackles and was the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. Um, so, it, it, yeah, it's just that youth up front it was hard for them. Defensive line is starting to make plays at the line of scrimmage, especially Keontae Shad at defensive tackle and D'Angelo Carter at the other spot. Um, so there's just it's just been a lot of growing pains, a lot of youth in that defensive front, but they are getting better. Uh, I'll be curious to see how they go, how they do against that Wisconsin offensive line. Uh, you know that's always tough. They had they had some struggles last year um, with getting penetration, but I think it'll be a good test for a young defensive line, defensive front that's matured as the has as the season has gone along. Yeah, that'll be an interesting matchup for sure. You know, Wisconsin normally is a, a team that runs the ball really well, but uh, these last few weeks it, it's kind of been a struggle. So hopefully they can try and get right, but it'll be a good test uh, for the Wisconsin run offense as well. So wrapping up here, of course, big rivalry game in the Big Ten, battle for the axe. Everybody knows what it means to both fan bases and across the country. So in your eyes, what does Minnesota need to do this win a game, and do you have any sort of score predictions, uh, or is it just so up in the air right now with both teams that – you're just going to have to wait and see. 
Yeah, I think it's the game that's going to be won in the trenches. Um, Minnesota's offensive line last week they were missing two starters, so they had to shuffle the line, and they were really it was really feast or famine in terms of the run game. Um, so I, I really think they're going to need they're going to have to be able to run the ball against Wisconsin, which is easier said than done. Obviously, Wisconsin I think is one of the top rushing defenses in the country, um, and then with, and then on the other side of the ball, Minnesota's got to be able to stop the run. Um, so I, I know there's question marks whether Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis will be available, and you know Mertz has really struggled these last couple of games throwing the ball. So I mean they, they've got to be able to stop uh, Nikia Watson and Garrett Groshek in that run game. Otherwise, Wisconsin's just going to run wild on them. Uh, you know, as far as prediction goes, uh, if you asked me this back when they originally were set to play, I was probably expecting a blowout in favor of Wisconsin, but it really seems like since that week, the two programs have just kind of got an opposite trajectories. Uh, I've been really surprised with how uh, much Wisconsin has struggled offensively after those first two games. Um, in Minnesota, I was really really impressed with how well they played against Nebraska, being down a ton of guys. So um, this is probably – it's dangerous to be optimistic in situations like this, but if I had – if you had to put me to prediction, I'd probably go a low-scoring game with Minnesota coming out on top. Um, but, again, that's that's very dangerous to be optimistic, especially in an axe game. <laughs> That's that's fair enough. I mean, for Wisconsin fans, that's kind of the same game. I know last week's score was 28-7, and, but that wasn't really the, the, the telling score uh, throughout the game. It was close and low scoring. So Badger fans have kind of watched the same three games the last three weeks out. So it'll be uh, probably similar to that on Saturday. But hopefully, at least for our listeners, uh, they're, they're probably hoping you're wrong. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. Blake? We appreciate you taking the time. Um, good luck and enjoy the Axe game on Saturday. I know uh, I probably speak for you guys at the Daily Gopher as well. You're probably just really happy to see this game back, as as I know we are. Yeah, I mean it's a great tradition, and I think we're all disapp- we were all disappointed when it looked like the streak was finally going to be broken. But I just think it's better for two programs, better for Big Ten, better for college football that this game happens, no matter the results. So we're excited. Absolutely. All right, Blake. Well, thanks for joining us, Badger fans. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be back with you guys next week to recap this Minnesota game, recap some uh, Wisconsin basketball stuff. So, as always, on Wisconsin.